Well, happy Mother's Day, again. We are so grateful for you mothers who tirelessly love, teach, and sacrifice for the good of your children. We're grateful also for you spiritual mothers among us who are constantly praying, giving, and encouraging in our midst. But we realize, as with most holidays, uh, Mother's Day is a two-sided coin. On the one hand, we celebrate and we rejoice. On the other hand, we often mourn the loss of a beloved mother or damaged relationships with mothers or any of the other things that weigh our hearts down around this time of year. Jesus knows your sorrows and is near to you who are brokenhearted around this time of year. In fact, if you're feeling cast down and brokenhearted in any capacity, Jesus is near to you. Our text today captures a bit of that mixture of joy and celebration on one hand, but sorrow and loss, and a little hot, if you bring it down a little bit. Life is often like that, and today we will see that God is with us through it all. Before we get into uh, the specific text of today, I wanted to give a brief synopsis of chapter 11 of John's Gospel. At the beginning of chapter 11, we learn that Jesus has a friend named Lazarus. And he's actually the brother of two characters that we know pretty well from the Bible, Mary and Martha. Mary is the one who anoints Jesus and weeps and cries and lets her tears fall onto his feet and she wipes his feet with her hair. Beautiful act of devotion that she's been known so well for. Martha, you know Martha, from the story of Luke, uh, or from the Gospel of Luke, when Martha and Mary are in the house, and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching, and Martha is busy making sure that everyone is set, everyone's comfortable in the house, everything's being taken care of, and she gets a little worked up about that. I think we've all identified with one or the other at different points in our lives. But in this story, things aren't going so well for that family. You see, Martha and Mary, they send to Jesus, telling them about Lazarus, and they say, Lord, the one that you love, your dear friend, he's sick. Now, they know Jesus, both Mary and Martha. They know Jesus. They know that he can heal. He has healed before in the past. And so in their message, there's this implied, please come help, come heal him. And Jesus, when he gets this message, the first thing he says is, this sickness will not lead to death, but to God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I want you to remember that. This sickness will not lead to death, but God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. But then something strange kind of happens in chapter 11. John tells us that Jesus loves Martha and Mary and Lazarus, so he remains where he was for two more days. What? He intentionally waits two more days to go see them? That would have been taken maybe even as an insult. He didn't come right away? Doesn't he love them? How on earth does Jesus love Mary, Martha, and Lazarus if he waits two days, two agonizing days? You know, we don't know what happened in those two days, but you can kind of imagine the question circulating in the room. Where is he? Shouldn't he be here by now? 
Why isn't he here yet? All the while, Lazarus' fever is spiking. He's not eating as much. He's getting weaker and weaker until what they feared most happens. Lazarus dies. Now the two sisters are notably and understandably upset and maybe even angry. And so when Jesus is walking down the dirt path to their village in Bethany, there's a message that gets sent to Martha saying, Jesus is here, the teacher is here. And so she briskly walks out to meet Jesus on the path before he can even get into the village. And before he can even get a word out, the first thing that bursts out of her mouth is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You see, Martha knows Jesus. She knows who he is. But this just doesn't make sense. In fact, it's because she knows Jesus that this situation makes no sense. She knows he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God sent into the world to redeem all things. She knows that he loves them. They have spent time together in the past. It just, she has all of her theology straight. She has all of her knowledge straight. It just doesn't line up with her experience. You see, for Martha, this is like someone saying two plus two equals five. It's illogical. It makes no sense. Jesus loves us. He has the ability to heal. He's the Messiah, the Son of God. But my brother died. Doesn't he love him? And then there's Mary. Mary, who, since Lazarus died, she hasn't moved from the spot that she's in. She maybe hasn't said a word. But Martha comes back into the house and lets her know Jesus is here. Like a shot, running out to go meet Jesus and seeing him far off, her eyes are getting bleary and she falls down at his feet and she sobs, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. For Mary, things are different. For Mary, oops, for Mary, things are different. For Mary, grief cuts through all of the rational thought and hits straight in the heart. For Mary, the grief is sharp and it pierces to the soul. And she can't get out more words than, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. How on earth could Jesus possibly love Martha, Mary, and Lazarus? How on earth could this possibly end in God being glorified? Those are two major questions that we have in this text. How does Jesus love Lazarus and his sisters if he doesn't heal Lazarus? And how does this sorrow end in God being glorified? And the answers are kind of unclear so far. But look at Jesus' response in verse 33. He says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. That kind of seems in English to be pretty neutral. We can't quite get a grasp on deeply moved. What does that really mean? And I think our English translations sometimes try and smooth this over to make us a little more comfortable with what John is trying to say here. That word for deeply moved, it actually means angry. It's a word used associated with horses when they're getting ready for battle and they're snorting and breathing through their nose and pawing at the ground. 
And that word troubled there, that word troubled is like waters in a storm, a, a stormy sea, like waters being churned up. If you've ever been down to King's Beach during a uh, big storm, you have a picture of the inner soul of Jesus in this moment. He is disturbed within himself. It's the same word that in Gethsemane he says, now my soul is deeply troubled. I wonder, have you ever been there? Where you're so angry, you're trying to control your breathing by breathing through your nose and you just... Jesus is not a robot. Jesus is God in human flesh. He feels emotions. Jesus here is angry at sin and death and the effects that are being laid upon his beloved friends and creation. He is uneasy and he's disturbed because Mary, this friend that he loves so dearly, is weeping at his feet. He's surrounded by a crowd of people crying and grieving their lost friend. He is troubled. He is moved by it. And tears may be welling up behind Jesus' eyes as he looks at them and he asks, where is he? They lead him to the tomb. And what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do when they get there? Does he chide? Does he say, you know, you're really overreacting right now. It's really not that big of a deal. Does he say, you know, get over it. I mean, I, come on, hello, do you know? I'm making all things new. He's going to be alive in a minute. Give me a break. Does he say, you know, you really should have believed in me more. If you believed in me more, this wouldn't have happened. Look at him. He's crying with them. He's sharing their sorrows. Do you have a friend like that? Have you ever had a friend like that who just cried with you when you were going through something, whatever it is, some dark season? Have you ever had a friend who, they don't try and problem solve, they don't try and give you an answer straight away, they just sit with you and they feel what you feel? Well, I want to tell you this morning, in Jesus, you have that friend. He is that friend for you. Or like a mother who, if their child falls and they scrape their knee and they're hurt, they scoop them up and they hold them and they just say, I know, I know it hurts. That kind of empathetic love is like the, G the love that Jesus has for us in our sorrows. So how does Jesus love Martha, Mary, and Lazarus? By sharing their sorrows with them. But there's something else I want us to see as well. Jesus is revealing something about who God is in this moment. Jesus is revealing God's heart in sharing their sorrows. You know, we might ask the question, wouldn't it have been better if uh, Lazarus didn't die, if we didn't have to go through all this difficulty, this trial, this sorrow, this pain? In one way, yeah, you know, they're, they're, it would have been better if sin never happened. But I think Jesus and John want us to see something deeper here. You remember in John 1 when John writes, In the beginning was 
the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. When we see Jesus, we see God. Jesus says this himself later in chapter 14, talking to Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so what are we supposed to make of Jesus crying with his friends? What are we supposed to learn about God through that? And I want us to think, would we have known God's love in this unique way if he just made the sorrow vanish? If Jesus had just healed Lazarus and they didn't go through this whole ordeal, we would not have known God's love and compassion in this unique way that he shares what we feel. And this is true, not just for Lazarus, not just for Martha and Mary, but for all of you. There is no shadowy corner in your soul or in your life. There is no darkness. There is no pain through which Jesus is not with you and feeling what you feel. Jesus' love is with you always. Let me be clear. Suffering is not good. (laughs) The traumatic things that happen in our lives that maybe we don't even tell others about are not good things. God doesn't enjoy seeing us suffer those things. But we do experience God's love in a unique way that we wouldn't if we hadn't gone through those things. Well, that's nice. Martha and Mary might say, but our brother is still dead. The, Jesus around, uh, the Jews around them say, Jesus could give sight to a blind man. Couldn't he have healed this man, Lazarus, as well? So we know Jesus loves them through sharing their sorrows, but death still seems to reign over their lives. It still seems to have the final word over this whole situation. How is God glorified in all this? Let's look back at the text, verse 38. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, there's that word, angry, he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? Jesus is showing us God's glory is about to be on display in this moment. God is about to be glorified before everyone's very eyes. And that glory is Jesus' sovereignty over death. Death does not have the final say. You see, after crying with them, Jesus is again angry. He is the Word. God, the Son, through whom all things were created, and now in human flesh, he feels a divine anger at at how his beloved creation is in anguish under the consequences of sin. Life himself comes to death at the tomb of Lazarus, ready for a fight. Take away the stone, he says. Again, this is illogical to Martha. This is so indecent, and how can Jesus ask this? He's been dead for four days, for goodness sake. The smell is just going to prove it. Death has the final, you know, death is permanent. There's nothing to be done. 
So Jesus gently reminds her of what he told her 20 minutes ago that she hasn't fully grasped. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. So Martha, with pain, with tears, with concern in her eyes, she looks at Jesus, but she trusts him. She knows who he is. She gestures for the crowd to take away the stone, and she winces, waiting for the smell, the bad odor. But there's nothing. She looks at Jesus, and she sees him praying, and hears him praying to his father, thanking him for having answered him. Could it really be? Her eyes dart back at the tomb. As she hears Jesus cry out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. There's a breathless moment. Feels like an eternity. But then they see something shuffling in the darkness. Could it really be? And the dead man, Lazarus, comes out of the tomb. He's alive. The battle is won. Death is overcome. How can this how can this be? This is God's glory on display. He is life itself, and death cannot hold him. It cannot disobey him who created all things. God's glory is on display before everyone's very eyes, and their jaws drop, and they are silent. And Jesus smiles, and he looks back, and he says, take off the grave clothes, let him go home. You see, the confusion, the pain, the sorrow, the suffering, the death, none of it has the final say. Jesus has the final say in this narrative. There is hope beyond the sorrow, not just for Lazarus, not just for Martha and Mary, but for you. All the sorrows in your life, there is hope beyond it for you who believe in Jesus. And something else that we need to see is that God had a purpose in this pain. Jesus knew that there was a purpose in the pain for Martha and Mary. When he gets the message that Lazarus is sick, the first thing he says, this isn't going to end in death. This is going to end in God's glory. So Jesus knew that for Martha and Mary. But more amazingly, he knew that even for himself. Did you know that three times in every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus predicts his own death and his subsequent resurrection? Jesus came into this world knowing the plan, the plan was to suffer and die. What? How, isn't that shocking that God's plan for redemption, for restoring all things, for making all things new, and making all things perfect included himself suffering. You see, the purpose in Martha and Mary's pain was that they and everyone around them could understand that Jesus is life itself. That is the purpose in your pain as well. For example, Say you experience a tragic loss. It's sudden and unexpected. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. 
like it didn't for Martha. Or it's expected, but you dread it. And when it happens, the grief cuts you right to the heart, like it did for Mary. And in the back of your mind, you say, Lord, if you had done something, this wouldn't have happened. As you're wrestling through this, a few weeks later, one day, your, your car breaks down. You have to start taking the bus again to work. And you hop on uh, the 435 to Liberty Tree Mall, and a regular that you usually see on the bus sits down, and they just start crying. You know, no one around them is saying anything or doing anything. It's kind of weird, but you see them. And you go in, you sit down next to them, and uh, you brave that interaction, and you say, what, what's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. And they just tell you, my, my brother just died, and I just don't understand. You felt that. You know what they're feeling in that moment. Perhaps you are the person that God meant to comfort that person. Perhaps you're the person to point them to Jesus, who is life itself. Or maybe you've gone through a particularly dark season a long time ago, but the person sitting three pews from you right now is going through it in this very moment. You weep with those who weep. You point them to Jesus and you keep moving forward together. East Baptist, God loves you. He shares your sorrows. God is glorified when we endure and we fulfill his purposes even in the midst of our pain. And we can endure because we know that a day is coming when he will right all wrongs. The proof is in Lazarus when he raised him from the dead, but the greater proof is Jesus himself. You see, he wept among us so that we, he could wipe away every tear from our eyes. He, Jesus, was laid in a tomb, but nobody had to come remove the stone from his tomb. They had to take off Lazarus' grave clothes for him, but Jesus folded his linens up and he said, thank you for the stay, I'll be leaving now. When Jesus asked where Lazarus was, they showed him a corpse, but when Mary asked where Jesus was, he tapped her on the shoulder and said, Mary, it's me. Jesus won the fight at Lazarus' tomb, but he won the war at his own. East Baptist, while you are in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Carry one another's burdens, East Baptist, because in this way you fulfill the law of Christ who bears our burdens with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you. Lord, thank you that in your suffering, you sanctified our suffering. That in our pain, in the deepest moments of sorrow, you are there. If we ascend to the heavens and make our abode there, behold, you are there. If we dwell in the depths of the earth, in Sheol, in shadows, you are there. 
Where can we go from your presence? You are with us always. Lord, help us to embody your love by loving one another and fulfill the law to love our neighbor with all our heart and as ourselves and to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thank you. In Jesus' name.